You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, I'm asking, Father, that you administer to all of us, that you would do a reboot, that you would fire us with fresh fire, that you would get us excited about you, Father, that there would be a supernatural passion inside of every one of us, and that you'd save those that are lost, and you'd minister, Father, by the Holy Spirit and power. Father, I thank you so much for what you're going to do today, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you still look fabulous. Amen. I've entitled the message today, Enthusiasm, which cannot be silenced. And when I talk about this topic of enthusiasm today, I want you to understand the seriousness of it. If you don't, if you have low enthusiasm, it can cost you dearly. Because when it comes to the supernatural of God, we have to be enthusiastic about God's, the God encounters that we all experience in our lives as being Christians. And if you lose that enthusiasm, it's going to affect the outcome of your life. You're not going to receive the rewards and the blessing that you, that you need. In fact, I wrote this down. When men and women are encountering God, the measure of your enthusiasm will determine the level of your success. And I, I, it's hard to explain it, but the, the reality is, is that we're dealing with a supernatural salvation. And there needs to be this enthusiasm for the supernatural, for God to minister to us and minister in the way that he wants to, to bring the results that we need in our lives. And as I share this today, I understand that there's a, a serious side to it because of the things that'll cost you when you don't have that. To give you an example of it in Scripture, Jesus in his own hometown, it says that he could not do any mighty miracles because they're unbelief. But why did they have unbelief? How come they weren't enthusiastic about the ministry of Jesus? What was the problem? The problem was very simple. They were familiar with him. He, he was raised there. He went to church with them. And because of that, they couldn't get full of enthusiasm concerning the ministry that God had put on him for us. Amen? Amen? Now, a lot of you, when I say that, where I'm taking it to is this. When we go to church, every service, I sense the presence of God. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. I sense the presence of God every day of my life. When I'm really angry in the flesh, I don't sense it very much, but I still sense the presence of God. But what happens when you've been saved for a long period of time, sometimes you begin to take for granted the presence of God and you're not enthusiastic about the supernatural as much as you were in the beginning. And many opportunities slip us by because of that in our lives. And to show you the severity of it in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 3 through 6, it talks about the kind of sin that a person cannot repent of. And it talks about people that have fallen away. It talks about five different manifestations of the Spirit in a person's life, yet they fall away. 
And why did that happen to those people? Because they become familiar with the anointing, familiar with the supernatural. And uh, they came and they lost their enthusiasm to the point that they fell away from the faith. Amen. We're not going to do that in this church. Amen. We're going to stay on top of it. So today I want to challenge you. Are you still enthusiastic about the living Christ? The power of the Spirit. The healing power of Jesus. His presence. His peace that passes all understanding. Do you still have an a enthusiasm about it so that when... God's spirit comes on you, you, you get wrapped up in it. Because, see, here's the thing. To the level of your enthusiasm will be the level of your expectation. And if you have low expectations, you have low excitement about God. But if you have an enthusiasm that's strong, it's because you have a high expectation. God's moving on me right now. He's about ready to set me free, do something. And your expectation is higher, and we need to have that as a church. Now, to, to bring this to you in an illustration in the scriptures, you remember the prophet Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha, the predecessor. He had a double anointing. Yes. On his deathbed, it tells us that the king came and began to mourn over him and began to be concerned about what am I going to do now? Because every time we've been in a battle, you have come, you've given me a word of the Lord, you've told me what to do, and now you're departing. And Elisha jumps out of the bed picks up a bow with an arrow, opens the window and shoots it out and says, so will be for you, the, the Syrians, you will, that arrow represents the victory that you'll have over them and, and God wants you to completely destroy them. So he said, take this bow and shoot it in the ground and every time you shoot, it'll represent a victory. So the king took it, he shot once, shot twice, shot three times and stopped. And the, and the prophet got angry at him and said, why did you stop short? Because of that, you're going to be, you're never going to win the war. You're going to be at war for the rest of your king's ministry. Now, what, why? Why did the king do that? He was not enthusiastic about the supernatural. Maybe it was in the beginning, but he'd been going along and the prophet had been bailing him out and giving him the word of the Lord and all that. He had lost his enthusiasm and look what it cost him. For the rest of his reign, he was in war and it could have all been uh, changed if he would have had a high, how do I say it, a high energetic Desire that when God's spirit was moving that he would receive the absolute best from God that he could. He'd lost his enthusiasm. And I trust today as we preach to this that we're going to get a little bit fired up and say, you know, maybe I backed off a little bit. Maybe I'm not as fired up as I used to be because I know when I first got saved, I was completely on fire for God. I mean, I remember driving to my job because I was in ministry at that point and I, and I, I told the Lord, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn the whole Bible. So I'm going to listen to the whole Bible many, many different times. So I bought all these Bible tapes. And in those days, it, you know, I, they had to use batteries and cassettes and all that. And I, and I went through batteries and, and listened to the whole New Testament one or two times. It was enthusiasm, an excitement to get all, everything you can out of God that you possibly can. 
I want to challenge you today that this is the difference between religion and a church that's on fire. When people are enthusiastic about the supernatural, God moves in the church. God delivers in the church. Hallelujah. Now, with that in mind, turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. And while you're turning there, I'm going to be reading a, a portion of a prophecy that was given to one of the seven churches. And most theologians and pastors all agree that these seven different prophecies can be applied to any different, to all the churches today. But the order that they're in, or the sequence they're in, represents the orders the church will be in before Jesus returns. And the last condition of the church is going to be lukewarm. Now, God's going to cure the church of that before he comes back, but that's going to be the main thing that needs to be addressed. Look what it says. I know your works that you are neither uh, cold or hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. Give me 16. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. This is powerful. He's saying, listen, I can handle it when you're on fire for me, and I can handle it when you're desperate, but if you lose your enthusiasm for me, I can't stand it. In fact, I just soon puke you out. Now, that's severe, isn't it? But he's doing that because he knows the last stage of the church has to be victorious, and we cannot be victorious if we've lost our enthusiasm towards the supernatural. If we're not passionate towards God's power anymore in our lives, we're not going to accomplish or do what God has called us to do in the church. So we need to be passionate, excited, about the supernatural in our lives so that we can see the blessing and the benefits. There's some references in Bible that really excite me about people who are enthusiastic. Uh, the one that comes to mind is Genesis chapter 18. It was Abraham. He was in his tent one day and he looks up and there's three men, but they're not three men. They're two angels and Jesus. And they appear before him and he gets so excited, he insists that they stay for dinner. And then he runs over to his wife in another tent and says, could you uh, get, get, get some food ready? We need to feed them. And then he runs out in the field and grabs a lamb and kills it and feeds the Lord. Now, from that event, because he was enthusiastic, the Lord told him about his wife, said, your wife's going to have a baby next year. And Sarai started laughing. And Abraham confronted her about it. said, the Lord, he's going to do this. He's going to have a baby. You're old. You're going to have a baby. And he heard that. And it, and it wasn't just that. He then talked to Abram about Sodom and Gomorrah. And he began to pray for the city that was going to be destroyed by fire. Now, we know he prayed. He didn't pray far enough. But he prayed enough that he saved his nephew from the flames. And God sent two angels and rescued Lot and his family out of there. Now, what would have happened if it would have just been another day at church? What would have happened if he would have treated the visitation of God as casual? None of that would have happened in his life. 
But because he was enthusiastic about it and knew that when God manifested, you need to take note of it. You need to spend time with God when that happens. You need to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to sit down here. I'm going to listen to you because you're visiting me and you're sharing something with me. And I'm not going to let it go. You've got to be that way in church. You've got to be that way on Monday. You've got to be that way on Tuesday. And not take for granted the anointing and the power of God within the church. We've got to be excited about it. There's got to be that enthusiasm within us that would make the difference. And to give you another a case of this, Zechariah in the New Testament, he is a priest and he's in the inner sanctuary, the holiest of holies, and an angel appears to him. And he's old too and says, you and your wife are going to have a child. And you remember, he wasn't too enthusiastic about it. How's this going to work? And what did it cost him? God muted him for nine months and he couldn't say a word until the child was actually born. It costs you something when you've lost your enthusiasm. You can fall from the faith. You can lose the desire. You can lose a vision when you lose your enthusiasm. You've got to stay on fire for God in this area. Now you think about it. Jacob had an experience with God. And if you know the story, his brother Esau was coming with 400 men. I don't believe it was a social calling. I believe he was coming to kill Jacob. Because Jacob had ripped him off out of his birthright. But he prayed and he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. Which was a, an encounter with God. And he was very enthusiastic about it. To the point he tried to pin God. And God touched his hip and it went out of joint and he was unable to do so but it's through that perseverance and that, that enthusiasm that he wouldn't let go of God and God said what's your name he said my name's Jacob so he's taking him back to when he lied about who he really was and then he says your name is now Israel one who prevails with men and with God. And so right then, he received a victory. But imagine what would have happened if he hadn't been enthusiastic about his faith and the supernatural. He would have missed out on the miracle that God had for him. And we probably wouldn't hear from him in the Bible from that point on because he would have been exterminated by his brother. But because he wrestled with the angel of the Lord and God gave him the victory, everything changed in his life. Are you enthusiastic about the next time you pray? The next time that you're in church and, and God's spirit falls over you? Are you enthusiastic about it to sit down and say, Lord, what is it you want in my life? And, and let God minister to you. Or are you so, oh, I got to get, get home, I got to watch the game, or I gotta, I've got this thing I got to do. What are you going to do? Are you going to do what God will make God's word alive? Or are you going to withdraw? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to stay enthusiastic. Look at another reference, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. This is Paul and Silas. They've been out preaching, and in their preaching, they are arrested, and they're beaten with rods and put in the inner jail. And look what it says in the verse. But at midnight, say midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. I don't know about you, but most people are asleep at midnight. Not at my house, but most people are asleep. 
at midnight. Especially after the day that he had had. He had been arrested and beaten with rods, put in the inner jail. And yet at midnight, he's singing and said all the prisoners heard him. Of course they did. They were asleep. They got woke up. And it was this enthusiasm to praise God in the midst of the storm that brought the miracle. And if you read on, the miracle was God sent an earthquake and the, and, the, and the cells of the jail opened up. But it was more than that was the miracle. The fact was none of the prisoners left the cells. And it was all open. And the jailer was about ready to kill himself. But Paul said, no, we're, we're here. Don't, do it. Don't hurt yourself. He gets saved and then brings Paul and Silas into his house, mends their wounds, and feeds them and, and their whole family. I just see him calling up. You got to get over here right now where the family's getting saved. And I, and I want you to get over here. Call your brother. He's over on the other side of town. Get him back to the thing here because we're all going to get saved today. So what are you talking about? Yes, the man of God is in our prison and God has revealed himself and Jesus Christ died for us. I don't know how it happened, but the whole stinking family got saved. Say amen. But this is powerful. If, he wouldn't, if they wouldn't have been enthusiastic about it, they wouldn't have seen the supernatural happen. They didn't just jump into it. They jumped into it with all fours. Here's another miracle. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 47 to 48. This is a man by the name of Barnabas. He's a blind man. And look what it says. Put it on the screen. Mark, quick, 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 quick. Thank you. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now watch the next part. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. You know what warned means in the, in the Greek? It means that they were threatening this guy. They were threatening. They were saying, if you don't shut up, I'm throwing you out. If you don't shut up, I'm going to punch you. But he was so enthusiastic, he wouldn't shut up. And because he wouldn't shut up, he changed trades that day. No longer would he be a beggar. Now he'd be able to get a job. Now he'd be able to get married. Now he'd be able to have his dreams and visions. Now he'd be able to do what God had called him to do because God restored his sight. But it never would have happened if he hadn't had this enthusiasm in his faith and refused to allow the presence of God that was passing by to leave him. He wanted to embrace it. We've got to want it that bad to see the benefits the Lord has for us. You know, salvation is like a, a funnel. If you, if you work on cars or whatever and you're putting oil in, they have little funnels. And the top part is big, but the bottom part is narrow. Now, salvation is, is big on the top because Jesus died for everyone. He died for the unacceptable he died for the loner. He died for this culture, that culture, all cultures. He died for everyone. It's broad. It's broad. It's broad. And all you got to do is believe on Jesus to be saved. Amen? But as you get down to the funnel, Jesus said that in order to obtain this salvation, it's narrow. 
The broad way won't work it, he says. He says it's narrow. In other words, you can't get saved unless you make Jesus Lord. You can't get saved unless you surrender all. You can't get saved unless you give up and let God take over your life. You can't get saved with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You get saved because, God, I'm jumping in with you. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have an ability, but I'm giving my life to you. That's how you get saved, and that's narrow. That's why there has to be enthusiasm. You're not going to find people up to heaven go, you know, I'll tell you the truth, I never really thought I'd get here. <laughs> you know, I went to church because my wife asked me to, and, and I lived a fairly good moral life. But really, I, I often wonder when Pastor Jack was preaching if I was ever even going to make it. There won't be anybody like that. Everyone in heaven will we'll be able to give you the testimony when they first got saved. How the power of God changed them. And how when they left that day, they were different inside. Sure, they looked the same, but inside they were changed. They were born again. They were regenerated. Amen? Not going to be any mystery guests. Well, I thought I was... No, you either know you're saved or you're not saved to get into the kingdom of God. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope you got it right. But you can lose enthusiasm and lose the dream and the vision in your life. Church, God doesn't save you just so that you'll be occupied here and then leave. He saves you so that the visions and dreams in your life that he gives you will come to pass, that you can make a difference. But if you lose your enthusiasm, you'll lose the vision. Can I make a personal note to those of you that are married? Don't lose your enthusiasm for each other. The enthusiasm that you have for God needs to be reflected upon your enthusiasm for your wife or your husband. If you love God that much, you should be very enthusiastic about your husband. And you know what my wife did just last week? It was really cool. I, if you're like me, I always say things I know she won't do. <laughs> Just to kind of tease her a little bit. And I don't know, it was one of those days, and I said, you know, it'd sure be nice if one day I could get up and have hash brown and eggs for breakfast. <laughs> Not in a restaurant, in the house. And I just said it, and she gave me that look, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the next day, she's not in bed. I hear this chopping going on downstairs. Because we never usually get it because we never usually have potatoes in the house. But she cooked it for me. Amen. Now that's really good. That means she loves Jesus. Amen. So we got to have that enthusiasm for our kids for our church, for people we work with. We got to let the Lord work through us. If we lose that enthusiasm, it's going to affect the visions and dreams in your life and you can lose out on what you have. Probably one of the classic stories of this is Jacob and Esau. If you remember the story in their birth, uh, they came out, uh, Jacob came out, or excuse me, Esau came out first and Jacob had his brother's foot in his hand. And Jacob was a deceiver and a liar. Esau, his record wasn't really as bad as his brother's. 
But there was a difference between Jacob and Esau. Jacob had this enthusiasm for the supernatural, for spiritual blessings, for the inheritance that comes from the covenant with God. And his brother didn't have it. In fact, one time his brother was out hunting and he came back and he was famished. He was very hungry and, and he went to his brother and his brother said, I'm not going to give you this. I just made this, and, but I'll give it to you if you give me your birthright. And his brother was so carnal that he got a bowl of beans instead of his birthright, which was a double portion. He didn't have that... That he wasn't ambitious. He wasn't enthusiastic towards the supernatural that came with the covenant that they were in. And then the time that broke the camel's back is when Isaac is about ready to die. And Isaac was a Bedouin person. And in the desert there, because they didn't have sunglasses in those days, many people's vision would suffer when they got older because of the sunlight and so forth. Kind of like sun blindness in the snow. And so he's older, he can't see. But it's the day that he's going to bless the firstborn, which would be his son Esau. So he said, go out and catch me some animals that I like and then cook it the way I want and give it to him. Well, Jacob's mother goes to Jacob and says, I want you to go in and pretend you're Esau and get the blessing. Why? Because mom knew that he was enthusiastic about the blessing and his brother wasn't. And he wouldn't run with it the way that he needed to. So Esau said, well, he'll know it's me because my brother's hairy or whatever. And my skin's, you know, not that hairy. And so his mom put these animal skins on him so that he felt hairy so that when his dad touched him, it would feel like his son Esau. So he went in there and, and uh, he said, I'm here, Dad. I got your meal. I'm ready for the blessing. And he says, are you, is it Jacob or is it Esau? He said, it is Esau. He lied. He touches him to make sure and pronounces the blessing. Well, he comes back. His brother Esau goes into his father. Says, I'm ready for the blessing. I'm sorry, I already, I already gave it to you. I already gave it away. He said, well, can't you, can't you take it back? No. Why? Because this, because Jacob was enthusiastic. Because Jacob had received it in faith and he wouldn't take it back from him. Do you see the difference? Esau lost his inheritance. He lost his inheritance with God because he wasn't enthusiastic about the supernatural covenant that God had made with his people. And my question to you is, can that happen to you spiritually? Of course it can. I've seen people over the years that when they first came to the Lord, they were so enthusiastic about going to church. Now it's like, gosh, give me, give me another 10 minutes. I just don't have that much time to do, go to church today. But yet when you first got saved, you were looking forward to Sunday. Because you first started to experience the presence of God and the power of God in the church. And you were so wrapped up with it. But over time, sometimes, it becomes a, 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 just a normal thing. It's just church again, just church again, just church again. And you lose your enthusiasm for the supernatural. And your, your expectation goes down instead of up and expecting God to move, expecting God to deliver, expecting God to set you free. We can't afford to do that. 
Years ago, Joyce and I went to a church in L.A. It's called the Dream Center. And Tommy Barnett, they bought an old hospital that was abandoned, turned it into a church and a, a place to restore people. And the crime rate in L.A. went down 20% around this facility. But where it's at, you wouldn't want to buy a house. In fact, you wouldn't even want to drive down that street unless you were prayed up. I went there with Joyce and I, and we had our two kids. I'm a little concerned because I'm a father. And we're going to this area that is dangerous. I mean, there's drug addicts on corners. There's gangbangers. I mean, there's guns everywhere. It's just, and so we come up there, and I pull into the parking lot there, and there's this big, heavy set guy with, with a leather vest on. He was a biker that had gotten saved. And they had bikers with guns patrolling the parking lot. And so we got out of the car. They walked us to the, to the place, and I'm feeling good. But it wasn't a positive environment. But when we got in that service, and understand, when I got in the service, I touched everything. Everything was sticky. You know what I'm talking about. But yet, when that worship kicked off, there was this one guy, he had both legs gone, and he's in this wheelchair, and he's jumping up and down like this, and I'm thinking, man, come to my church, come to my church. It was, the service was lit. They were so on fire because you had prostitutes, you had drug addicts that had been set free, and their, their enthusiasm for God was off the chart. And you could feel the presence of God and the, and the anointing was so strong. It was just awesome. Awesome. That's the way God wants us to be all the way from the beginning to the end. He doesn't want a flippant. See, that's the problem with religion. It, it's, it's, a, it's a man-made approach to the supernatural. Do you ever, you ever notice, and I've been in conventions where people were not spirit-filled and, and all the pastors stand around there and somber, there's no enthusiasm. And I was with, in a church and it was 2,000 of them. I couldn't take it anymore. I threw my hands up. Thank you, Jesus. Started praying in tongues and they, they looked at me like, get this guy out of here. But see, I've been saved. I've been set free. I've been delivered. Religion produces a lack of enthusiasm because it depends on the flesh. And it's so funny because if you, I, I have two rooms in my house that are, full, that are full of books, commentaries, whatever. And a lot of the, the commentary people, they're just with their head trying to understand the scriptures. I want to tell you something. If you think your religion is so great and you think you know the word so well, if you know the word that well, you should be the most enthusiastic person within the church. But see, here's the difference. Knowing God through your own understanding is different than knowing God through revelation. When you know God through revelation, man, I'll tell you what, you start saying, whoa, I know that God paid the price for me. I know that God will be there for me. I know that I'm the head and not the tail. I know that I'm more than conqueror. I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. Power 
in that. God wants us to be enthusiastic about our faith and not back off, but go all the way. How many know that God doesn't look at your resume and say, okay, you, you actually live pretty good life, so I'm going to get real close to you. He never decides to get close to people because of their human behavior. Because they've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? Amen. He, does, he chooses us because of our faith. Think about David for a minute in the Bible. He's called a man after God's own heart. But he had some problems. Women problems. Doesn't go to battle one time because he had a close call in battle. So he stays home, wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. And he's up in his palace there, and he sees this woman bathing in, the, in her bathtub in the backyard, and he focuses in on, starts checking her out, and uses his authority, has her come to his palace, and, and coaxes her into having sex with him, and thinks, well, I had, you know, it's a one-day fling. I'm good. I'm cool. Finds out later she's pregnant. And her husband is one of the most loyal soldiers he has in his army. But David puts him on the front line knowing that he'll probably die. And he does. And yet God says he was a man after God's own heart. David. Well, this David, show you the enthusiasm he had for God. Israel had sinned so much that God took his presence out of Israel with the Ark of the Covenant. They put it in another place. It was taken from them. Well, David in his reign had an opportunity to get back into Jerusalem. And so he puts the ark, which is the presence of God and, and God's power on this, on this wagon, new wagon, and brings it into Jerusalem. And as they're starting to head towards Jerusalem, it starts to wobble. And Asa reached forth to touch it. And the power of God struck out and killed him. So David doesn't know what to do. He knows if you've got the presence of God, you'll win every war. You win every battle. So he takes it and he puts it into a local farm right there. And as long as it was there, that farm prospered, excelled. Well, one day he figured out what had gone wrong. He moved it incorrectly. It's supposed to be moved on the backs of the priests, the ark. So he follows the law this time. Gets the covenant. And this is what's interesting about it. Here's how it started out. It said that, that David did six steps Five, I forgot, is that six? Six, one more. And on the sixth one, they, the, they started bringing the ark, and no one died, and David had a fit. He offered up a sacrifice and started dancing before the Lord. Started spinning around, took off his garment on top, just had his shorts on, and he is having a blast. Don't, don't do that in church, but he's... he's <laughs> He is praising God. He's so enthusiastic. <laughs> Just having a blast. And he dances all the way to Jerusalem. Just with his little inward garment on. And he's coming into the city and his, one of his wives looks out the palace window and sees him. And she's disgusted with it. After the ark is placed in this place, David goes to the palace his wife says, I need to talk to you. 
he goes, she goes in there and says, you acted like a fool out there. It was embarrassing. And you know what David said? He said, I wasn't dancing for your family or Saul. I was dancing for the Lord. Now, you got to see this. Years ago, my dad, he, uh, he used to play with Seattle Banjo Band. And uh, he gets saved, comes to church. And I said, Dad, why don't you play in the band up, up here? And he said, well, I don't know how to play. I've been playing in bars and throwing believers and all this. I mean, he went overseas and played for the military. And so he said, how do you play in a church? And I said, it's real simple. When you play in the world, you play for the people. But when you play in the church, you play for God. Amen. And he got up there with a banjo. I think it was one of we the only churches that had a banjo in the band. And he did that for years before he went on to be with Jesus. But that, that's what David tells his wife. And then he says this, and I like this. Maybe it's a little of my chauvinist in me. Maybe it's just popping up. But he told his wife, he says, you think I was bad then? The next time I do it, I'm going to be far worse. Because I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I'm going to give praise. I'm going I'm to shout in the Lord with a voice triumph. I'm going to lose it, man. I'm going to get enthusiastic, man. Come on out here. I'm going to get enthusiastic about the things of God. The Bible says, hallelujah, come on. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The Bible says to rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. 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 Church, it's my prayer today that you would get so enthusiastic about your faith and the supernatural that when you came to church and left church, you would leave with a glow and you'd go to the restaurants and live with them. What's with you? And someone mentioned about Jesus and you would explode. Yes, Jesus. He's so good. His presence is so good. But you know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants to put our hands down. The devil wants to get us so we don't clap anymore. The devil wants to get us where we don't shout anymore. The devil wants to give us conservative where there is not that, come on, that, uh, that excitement, that, that motivation to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yes. Stand up with me, everybody. Messages like this one, check out riveroflifefellowship.org, our mobile app, and our podcast. 
Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at River of Life Kent to learn more and keep up with everything that's happening at River of Life Fellowship.